Ambition Feed. Hi, I'm Zoe Conn and this is Ambition Feed, the podcast that brings you honest conversations from school leaders. For this week's episode, we're in our Leeds offices to talk about the challenge of developing others. I'm joined by two leaders from West Yorkshire, Judith and James, welcome to Ambition Feed. Thank you very much. Morning. Thank you for joining us. Could you introduce yourselves and your role? Yes, so um, Dixon's is a small, high-performing academies trust based in Bradford. We also have um, schools opening in, in Leeds in September. We have a high proportion of disadvantaged students. We've got children that we take from mainly a, in an inner-city setting, um, and that brings um, amazing opportunities and, and challenges. Very similar at uh, South Penn Academies, actually, Judith. Um, nine schools altogether, as well as uh, the Huddersfield Horizon Skit. Um, all, all our schools are in, in challenging circumstances in areas of socioeconomic deprivation, high proportions of disadvantaged students that we are striving to Im- Im- improve their life chances. Um, we have four tenets, though, that we really sort of ground all our work on and that is about strong and effective leadership which is the first thing we insist on putting in place in schools. We look for high performing staff, successful students and an engaged community as well. Those are our our four underlying principles that we work on. Considering those challenges which sound you know quite complex, how are you involved in the professional development of those trusts and improving the, the staff that you work with? That's actually one of my main roles is, is to lead professional development for the trust. Obviously each school has their own um, professional development offer but it's our que- the question posed to me was what can the trust offer above and beyond that? Um, so I put together a, quite a big package and it will expand again um, for September uh, that includes things like national professional qualifications, um, uh, identifying which staff can go forward to be s- uh, specialist leaders of education, We're working with our teaching school, um, things like teaching leaders, uh, but we also look at how we can use the capacity that we've got within the trust to develop leaders too. So coaching and mentoring is a really big aspect of the professional development work that we do. I think we'll go on to talk about coaching mentoring a bit more later but Judith how does that resonate with the work which you do? Yeah but very similar actually it's, it's an interesting um, combination of, of, of case studies I think uh, um, all of those facets that, that James talked about are, are very similar in, in my role and um, we also have um, networks for sort of early years teachers in terms of the first two or three years um, in role we have cross mat networks which helps to um, as a social support network but also to develop that sense of identity if you like within within the mat. I think the other thing in terms of my role and and context is the opportunity of working with Bradford Research School and some of our national partners like the Institute for Teaching um, are enabling me to really think about and explore what makes professional development effective so I'm I'm beginning to be able to bring that to my role and share that with the, the senior leaders across the trust. Can you talk about the benefits to the individual as well as to the school and the pupils when you develop others? Okay, well, I'll start with the school. And, and um, the, the number one driver, but not necessarily the, the number one emotional driver, is this sense of, of needing to recruit and retain high-quality staff. It's, it's such a challenging environment. We need to be honest about that. But ultimately, um, it is also about getting the most out of people and enabling them to have significant job satisfaction. And as a trust you want those teachers and leaders to be able to be 
responsive to the groups of students or, or teams that they're working with. So whilst you want to get them into your trust, you want to be able to um, ensure that they, they progress within your organisation if possible, ultimately it's about being able to make a difference to those students in that, that classroom on a Monday morning or that team that you, you're leading a meeting with. Um, so from a school point of view, it's a combination of you know maintaining the profile and, and the stability of staffing, but also making sure you're a healthy organisation. In terms of the benefits to the individual, I would say number one is, is job satisfaction. You feel valued, you feel invested in, but also you you are very very clear about what great teaching or great leadership looks like so that you can you know continue to improve you can be supported in doing that and I think one of the important things about professional development for it to be effective is you need that good combination of challenge and support for the individual so you know we're, we're quite proud as an organization to say yeah we want we want you to be challenged and we'll celebrate that but we'll make sure that we support you at the same time so that individual feels as though they've got um, a clear sense of direction yeah Judith that's really important for us as well because you know I produced this document which is a professional development pathways for teachers which shows them what they could or should be doing all the different levels of their career and I think that's really important for um, many of our staff to be able to see and look at and say right well how do I get to the next level um, we, we've got you know students coming to the end of the first year of the skit and many of those high quality trainees are moving into NQT positions in, in our schools we want to retain those staff we need to keep them and we need to show that we want to invest in their professional development um, and that they can see that they have a route uh, through their career in our schools. We, yes, we, we, we want to develop excellent leaders and if they move on to different schools, good. But at the same time, we need to know that we have a succession plan in place for those leaders, that, that, that leadership has been modelled really well for people down the school who, are, who can rise up and fill in those positions. Uh, that's really the next stage for us. We call it probably inappropriately cradle to grave um, in terms of your career. Um, but it is really from being a trainee to being a senior leader and we want you know we, we can see right now and you'll be able to sort of back me up on this that when you meet trainees you think you're gonna make an excellent middle leader or assistant head or pastoral leader you definitely know from from the first sort of hour of spending time with them and that's what we need to do we need to keep them recruit them and retain them and it's quite a craft to get that sort of journey and pathway that's mapped right. out effectively isn't yeah it? Well, I'll give it to you, Judith, and you can have a look. <laughs> it sounds like you've both got kind of great blueprints in place. But, Judith, can you talk to some of the challenges you come across when trying to execute those, those plans and trying to develop others? I would say that one of the biggest challenges is competing priorities. While schools are getting more confident at slimming down their professional development op offer and, and creating a more coherent um, programme, I think it, it takes bravery to say, no, we're going to look at one thing and, and keep it simple. So making sure that that's in place and I, and I think the second challenge is, is probably the risk of, of overkill um, whether that's you know too much professional development or professional development that is not directly enabling difference in the classroom or difference in leadership um, activity or maybe overkill in terms of, of a person spotting that that shiny NQT and and having high hopes for them and, and then maybe misjudging the, the pace of development that some people need so I, I would say it's about prioritisation and it's also about the pace um, of, of the professional development offers that you, that you give to people. And I, and I think we should, as a profession, really think about moving away from this idea that your career is just linear because your, 
things in your life change, as, as you know, I've experienced in my own life, and it should be seen as okay to take a step sideways or downwards, or you know, to think more about how you can work a bit more flexibly, rather than it, it, it seeming like you have to continue onwards and upwards. One of the sort of perverse side effects, isn't there, of promotion, promotion of people out of the classroom into senior leadership positions is that they have less contact with the students who you want to um, teach. And so those excellent teachers end up with reduced timetables, rightly because they need to do work that is impacting across the school, but they are then not in front of the students who they could be having the greatest impact on. Yeah, and that's a constant sort of challenging conflict mm. between se senior leaders um, and, and making sure that, that you get that, that balance right. Yeah, I mean, the biggest, probably the biggest challenge for us is context. You know, as, as a trust which sponsors academies, all of those schools have been on a journey already. So when, when they join the trust, it's not year zero for them. It is, you know, year whatever. And at it's at that point that you have to take a sort of a view of what has gone on there um, and to not write off the leaders that you've got in the school. Quite often, their, their issue has been that they just haven't had effective leadership modelled for them. They haven't worked for good people and they need to have some time uh, un, you know, working for decent senior leaders, decent middle leaders who show them the way to be as a leader in a school uh, in order to move forward. And at that point they can stand back and be more um, reflective mm. and less reactive about the professional development yeah. offer and, and able to match it to the profile of, of their staff, mm. their students and where they're at as a, as, as a school or an yeah. academy. You touched on the challenges there and you're already thinking about um, some of the solutions and some of the ways you can get around those challenges. But James, can you build on that um, by um, offering any creative solutions which you've implemented at your, at your trust? We've probably got two really good creative solutions that we've implemented. Um, the first one is um, we, we invested quite heavily in a leadership library. We spent a lot of money on a lot of the excellent books that are out there at the moment on senior and middle leadership. Um, and we keep them centrally for the trust and then principals have the list and they can request termly a box of books that they can use with their senior leaders. All I ask in return is that those who read them post a short review on the, uh, the trust website and recommend it for other leaders to use. The second idea is that we are planning to um, put in place a, a system of leadership residences so in the second summer term when things are a little bit quieter, it's the post-exam season, um, we are planning on uh, brokering leadership residences between some of our primary schools. So for example, one of our Senkos uh, who is newly qualified is going to move over to shadow a uh, much more experienced Senko in one of our other primary schools. Um, at the end of that process, we, we all we ask is that they, they go back, they feed back to their uh, principal or other senior leaders and they talk about what they're going to do differently, how they're going to implement good practice that they've seen elsewhere. Um, what about you, Judith? Have you got any um, creative no, I'm, examples? I'm just musing on, on the potential there of your, your second example. <laughs> and I think what that says to me is that there needs to be a commitment at, at you know, principal level or trust level to, to make those things happen. Mm. I think, for me, that the solutions for the challenges, they are about being creative. Um, but it's also about culture of, of your school and your trust. If you've got an open culture, if you've got a culture that's purposeful, that, that's sort of relentless in it, its um, 
vision for, for great opportunities for students, then, then it will make it much easier for people to, to be supported. And I think the other solution I would say is, is going back to my point about keeping it simple. Choose one thing, define it, model it, coach about it, practice it, give people time to do it, and then you are more likely to, to see those results in the classroom and in the teams. So I think a combination of your whole strategy but also the culture that you're working in, the approach you take is, is probably what I would say is a, a balance of solution. And, and it's, you know, it, it's not really just about what other thing can we do, it's just about doing all of those things that we normally do really well, isn't it? And so that we, you know, at South Pennine, we, we make a promise that all of the professional development that any of our staff uh, receive, that they will get really high quality training, that they'll have um, access to coaching and true expertise. It won't be a show. You know, if, they, if there's a course or a conference, it's not about coming and watching somebody sing and dance. This is about practical things that they can put into into place in their schools. Yeah, and therefore those teachers will value that. It won't be, you know, done to them. It won't be an, an extra burden. That's right. And it will actually, they'll see the benefit and, and therefore acknowledge that that time commitment was, was um, successful. And I've been on enough courses, and I'm sure you have, Judith, as well, where you think, I really don't think this is going to add anything to my role and I've been clock watching. Um, and because of that, I've made sure that everything that we do is the complete opposite, you know, that it is worthwhile. You're obviously responsible for professional development across your trusts, but taking that down to a school level, how should a senior leader go about developing their team? I would say have the fundamental belief that people can improve, um, show emotional intelligence, listen and observe, and don't treat everybody in the same way because they might respond to different opportunities. And think about everything we've just been talking about, really, pace of your programmes, balance of, of challenge and support, um, and remember that you, it, it should be part of a, a plan. It should be about, it sounds cynical to use the word sort of pipeline, but it should be about thinking strategically about this whilst making sure those relationships are, are fantastic and, and open and, and that your vision is underpinning everything that you do. And not to underestimate the role that encouragement and praise plays in the development of others. I don't think, as a, as a person, I don't think I probably like to receive a lot of praise, but that doesn't mean that others don't. And I quite often struggle to, to remember that, that you actually need to say, well done, because some of the challenging contexts that our senior leaders have found themselves in could be that for quite a number of years, nobody has said to them, you're doing a good job. And actually, that is one of the key things that you could say to people regularly, just so they know that they're on the right path. James, you touched earlier on the role of coaching and mentoring, but can we talk a bit more now about what role you think that can and should play in professional development. Judith, would you like to kick us off? I think it's fundamental. I think it's about making your expectations clear. Um, it's about demystifying, I think I've used that word before, the roles that you may be entering into and demonstrating those. And, and it's also about improving. It, it's about enabling people to get better and to continuously get better. Um, but it does need nurturing. You, you can't just train a few coaches and, and hope that it will all be right. It's all about having the skills and specialist knowledge to enable you to be an effective coach um, and to, to make those judgments um, in context, as we were saying earlier. 
I think also you need to know when to coach and when to be a mentor as well. Um, I've certainly worked in situations where I've been asked to be a coach and it's become quite apparent within a very short space of time that I needed to be much more of a mentor and that actually the person who I was coaching wanted me to be a mentor, to help them, to tell them, rather than to expect them to find it out for themselves. And then that would then eventually lead into more of a coaching exactly. relationship once they, exactly. they, they gained those yep. skills. Judith, in the kind of preparatory conversation we had for, for this recording, you flagged that um, one of the number one things that people want to know about is how to manage a difficult conversation. What would your advice be to middle and senior leaders who are tackling that challenge? So I would say have it on top of a good relationship. So the, there aren't surprises. You've got constant dialogue. Um, you've got a, a, a climate um, of trust in, in your school and in your team so that those expectations um, have been explicit from the onset. You've had constant feedback and then signposting any issues as they arise. I would say the second thing is to plan the difficult conversation with outcomes in mind, so plan it. Um, and I'd also say listen, and listen properly, because even though the conversation might be about something, that there might be something else that's actually the real issue. And as a, as a leader, uh, or an emerging leader, you want to identify that. Um, and a difficult conversation might be a time that, that, that's the opportunity to actually hear what people are really saying. I think some people approach well, are frightened of approaching difficult conversations, aren't they? And it's, it, you know, my advice to those people, and it's quite natural because they, they, they do have quite often good working relationships with these people. But if they're expected to have a difficult conversation, my advice would be to practice it, like you said, literally rehearse and even script some of the things you might be saying so that you've got something to fall back on. It won't go the way that you necessarily plan it. There'll, there will be twists and turns. And like, like you said, Judith, you have to listen to what people are saying. But I do think you have to be quite firm but fair in, in your uh, role as well. Thank you. You've both given us a lot in, in this conversation of, of advice and insights for our listeners, which is fantastic. But looking back over your own careers, can you talk about a time when you received great development from someone or when you've played a part in, in someone's development? I'm smiling because last night I got an email from somebody that I mentored in 2002, completely out of the blue, just thanking me for developing him. And looking back at that as an example, I was reflecting on what had made that successful and why on earth somebody would want to, you know, with no other ulterior motive, want to, want to say thank you. And I think that was about my belief that he could get better. It was the environment where he was finding it very difficult to adjust to high expectations in a high-performing school. I was very clear about those expectations and, and I, I think even then, in 2002, it was that balance of challenging him and, and not dropping those expectations, but setting them out step by step and being incredibly supportive. Um, I think I'll have to send him the link to the podcast and, and see whether he agrees with my reflection. But also thinking about my career, I think the two things that, that are sort of pivotal for me when I've received most effective development is, A, when I've been involved in a process, working with a leader who's open and who has involved me and shared um, something new with me to, to enable me to think yes I can do that as well and secondly when I have been going back to what you were saying about valued when I've been valued and given confidence to then go off uh, and, and do it do it myself I think from my own development point of view um, 
probably when um, I was full-time director of English. Um, the line manager at the time was the principal, Jane Ackland, who's now the CEO of South Pennine Academies. And um, that was the best development I received because she just let me get on with it, complete freedom to do what you like, as long as you are accountable for your actions. So if we got the results, if things worked out, everything was absolutely fine. It did. But it was the freedom to be able to do that, that was just amazing. And I think it's hard for some leaders, senior leaders, to let go, isn't mm, it? And I, th I think that's an, another thing that I've reflected on, that, that we're not as good at letting go and giving people space to, to just, or saying to them, no, you can do it. Mm. It didn't mean that there, were, there wasn't challenge, there was definitely, and she, she knew exactly when to ask the right questions to move things forward or to make you reflect on some of the things that you're doing, things that weren't working. Um, but it, the freedom was the thing that I most appreciated. And, th and that underlines also that different people respond to different levels and types of support. So yes. you've just got to constantly reflect on mm. the people that you're working with and how they, they flourish. Which goes back to our yeah. discussion about coaching and mentoring, isn't it? And knowing when to do that. Great. It's always helpful when things come full circle. Thank you very much. Um, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much, James and Judith, for your insights. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You can join the conversation over on our Facebook group or on Twitter. Just search for Ambition Feed. Thanks for listening.